What's good, everyone? This is your host, David Huang, here at the Third Culture Kingdom, and we are kicking off our new chaos series by discussing the often overlooked topic of mental health and discipline of self-care with counselor and therapist Jia Jia Chen. Strap in and get ready to take a few notes. You're listening to Chaos Essentials Self-Care. Today, I have the honor of introducing licensed clinical social worker, Jaja Chen, to the Third Culture Kingdom podcast. She's one of the most passionate advocates and persistent people uh, that I know. Uh, if she sets her mind to something, she's going to get after it and get it done. So in addition to running her own private practice in counseling, she's also a business owner and, uh, of a boba shop in Waco. And more than that, she's a loyal friend, sister, and wife. Welcome, Jaja. So, so glad to have you on the Third Culture Kingdom podcast. It is crazy that we're talking in these circumstances, but um, welcome and, and how have you been uh, Yeah, during these times? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on today. Um, I think it's been a crazy ride, you know, when it comes to looking back at these last six months of the pandemic and just the ebbs and flows of how the pandemic impacted not just our businesses, but also just um, the work that I do, you know, when it comes to mental health and counseling. At, at this point, I'm doing almost primarily teletherapy, so almost like 98% of the work that I do each day is doing online counseling, and that has been a huge shift. Um, it's a lot different compared to the in-person kind of work. Um, some days I feel like I'm in over my head when it comes to all the amount of just technology and calls that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think it's really shown just how much in-person presence and gatherings, just how mm. sacred and even just how unique that is. And there's nothing that can replace that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to ask for you, you know, do you feel like it is more draining for you to be on all these calls or, you know, was it more maybe (laughs) emotionally draining, you know, in person kind of having, you know, meetings? Um, I think it's, I would say the online is more draining, but then for sure you miss more of like the nuances of like the nonverbal feedback. So I do feel like because you don't see as much with nonverbals, um, then it's not as draining in that sense because uh, you're only seeing like the person's face, right? And so then, <laughs> so then there's less input, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it, it is more draining in the sense of you have to focus a lot more to understand and get feedback, but then less draining because there's not as much to hold in that space, right? Because even in in in-person sessions, you have to think about, you know, just the physical environment and just preparing all of that and just creating that actual physical space, you know, Mm -hmm. for a person. So yeah, definitely. It's kind of like creating an atmosphere almost for them to feel safe and comfortable yeah yeah and you do that for the online sphere as well it just looks a bit different when it comes to what that looks like so Uh yeah definitely definitely so um yeah we're gonna dive in you know and uh today we're gonna talk about you know mental health and and self-care and such um but to start off kind of um maybe hearing more about you and uh, your journey you know how did you start on this path towards becoming uh, a licensed social worker. 
Yeah, well, I had never known about social work until about middle school or high school. I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma, but then moved overseas to China when I was in middle school. And overseas, I was able to meet a lot of nonprofit workers and founders and international social workers. So individuals who uh, were mostly involved in like community development and work um, in the sphere of uh, maybe even using business as a way to help with social services and things like drug recovery services. So being able to observe classmates whose parents were social workers was where I first got introduced. And so at that point, I was like, wow, this is so awesome. I want to become an international social worker like my friends' <laughs> parents and just the work that they do was really inspiring. And then once I came to Baylor as a college student, I learned about the social work program and that's where I was introduced to the idea that you could actually become a therapist through social work as well, that, that it was not just only about community development or running a nonprofit, but that you can also pursue a clinical route, which is where you can focus more so on counseling. And so that, that was super interesting to me because um, I personally had been in counseling before in the past and had many friends who had benefited from counseling throughout middle school and high school. And so then uh, that's really where my journey started was more so just out of this interest of seeing like, oh, wow, social work can be a path that takes you towards many different directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A thought that I just had kind of was maybe regarding, um, you know, almost how, in the past, you know, there's almost all these different perceptions that people have about mental health and um, self-care. You know, how do you think that individuals in society has kind of perceived those things? Um, and where do you feel like we are now in regards to that? Yeah, well, I think in our generation growing up, I don't really remember hearing about mental health that much. Um, well, the first time I heard about it was in elementary school. I had a friend that struggled with depression. And I remember hearing from uh, other friends that like, oh, you know, this person is getting help through counseling. And so at that point, I had no idea what a counselor was beyond a school counselor. Mm -hmm. And so then it was just fascinating. It was like, oh, I wonder what the counselor's doing to help them. Because <laughs> I was just like, I, I wish I could go find out what's happening over there. And mm -hmm. so was just thankful for my friend to get help. But then beyond that, we didn't really talk about mental health. I don't ever remember learning about it from my family or even in middle school or high school, really. Um, so I'd say now we hear about it a lot more. You know, a lot more people are opening up, like even like things like celebrities opening up about their own journeys of recovery or even just their own mental health journeys. Um, and so especially in America, at least there's a lot less, I feel like there's a lot less stigma to talk about it at least when it comes to like being more open through like social media and platforms like that uh to open up about your journey um and you know my husband devin's mom is a therapist as well okay. so she yeah so she's a therapist in china and so she's shared about how over the last 10 years she's seen shifts in mental health in china um just seeing how there's increasing families that are willing to have their children at least be in therapy uh, for the sake of improving their 
educational outcomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so using that as the reason, but but at least it sounds like, at least from her perspective, that that there is a growing understanding that that your mental health does impact right your academic outcomes your academic well-being and so then out of that concern um she sees a lot more parents uh being willing right to consider things like mental health treatment um to help support their children yeah yeah definitely and it's really really crazy when you start or when i've kind of yeah begun to think about how you know in the midst of you know covid we've been experiencing you know, constant news cycles of, you know, racial injustice, in addition to, you know, the constant changing nature of almost the uh, landscape of national health. Um, and so with that, you know, how do you feel like, you know, COVID and uh, the constant racial injustices uh, have impacted people? You know, how, how do you, uh, yeah, what's your uh, view on that? Yeah, I've seen it on both sides. And I tell folks, it's kind of like the both extremes. It's like, for folks who had already been struggling with anxiety, especially like health related or social anxieties. Um, a lot of folks can identify the sense of like, wow, my internal struggle is now normalized or even validated in the external environment mm. around us. And so the sense of like, I'm already, I've already been there, already been going through all of that. Now it's kind of out in the environment and folks, other folks are going through it as well. Either that or also seeing a lot of folks who maybe had never really gotten help for counseling um, or even pursued any kind of mental health treatment and then seeing how, oh, okay, actually, you know, anxiety elevating or even trauma responses elevating. Um, so, so it's nothing in between as much where it's like either you know, they're like, oh, wow, okay, this is the usual already, or the more extreme of, you know, increased anxiety, increased um, concerns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you said about kind of the internal state of mind or like state of people's, uh, yeah, hearts, um, kind of like being manifested, like in the external environment and that kind of contributing to things. Um, I kind of even just think about how... <laughs> sometimes like my room becomes really messy and like almost my mind I feel like is like, whoa, I feel like my, my own life is like out of control maybe or just like scattered and such. Um, but um, in addition to that, kind of like what, uh, you know, there's so many different demographics obviously across race, mm -hmm. across age, um, across, you know, class and, and um, you know, just these different, uh, people groups. So I'd love to hear maybe like you dive in a little bit on, you know, specifically how, you know, some of these, uh, some of the things going on with COVID and, you know, racial injustices impact maybe each of these groups, maybe across, you know, these different uh, life stages uh, and, and uh, racial lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we see it. I mean, there is not one group of people that is not impacted mm -hmm. right, by COVID in particular. And I would even argue that racial injustices does impact people of all backgrounds, but especially for, you know, like Black, Indigenous, or people of color, um, the racial injustices on the news and in protests and around us um, has brought up a lot of uh, racial trauma itself for many people of color and just 
um, and not that it's like a new experience, but then it's, it's because of the environment can bring up a lot more um, of the anxieties or the fears or even just the feelings of being hopeless or trapped or even the sense of like, wow, you know, when is this going to end? Um, so, so definitely I've seen uptick in the amount of work that I've been doing with folks um, who are wanting to heal from racial trauma and and not that it started this year in 2020 but that is more like you know 2020 became like a tipping point for many mm -hmm. people where it's like okay i really need to get help or can't continue on to this level of of just the heightened level of of mm -hmm. trauma and, and a lot of people don't even realize that it is trauma right so mm -hmm. when i when i say trauma i i mean just anything that we experience in life, whether one-time incident or ongoing incident, where um, it brings up a sense of shock to our mind, to our body, to our soul or spirit. Um, and so that's pretty broad definition that can encompass many things, but really it's uh, defined by the person that went through the experience. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's pretty just like interesting to think about how people can be like experiencing trauma but not know it um and i've kind of heard that you know from different health professionals that anybody almost living these times like is experiencing mental trauma and that'll take like a couple of years for people to like recover from um yeah well because if you think about it when you're in the midst of a collective trauma um a lot of times we don't realize that we're experiencing it because of just the level of chronic stress that that takes upon our body and and it's like your body is in what we call survival mode or the fight or flight mm. mode in our nervous system and what that does is it elevates all our chemicals within our body and even just like our physical body um to be able to like maintain that survival just to like be able to keep proceeding keep thriving keep going on basically um, and so a lot of folks don't realize just how much it takes a toll on you until after the situation ends, like after the crisis ends. Um, and if people start to continue to notice like sleep disturbances or, you know, continued anxiety or continued difficulty with moving forward um, after a trauma ends, that's usually an indication of like, okay, this is not just the fear anxiety that was during the trauma itself, but it's like the continued after effects of what's mm -hmm. happened yeah yeah definitely um like uh would you be able to maybe give uh an example like one of maybe what uh like how somebody might be able to define like the trauma that that, that they're experiencing like within covid and then maybe like one example of you know like racial trauma um yeah just so yeah. that people maybe have an idea of yeah, you know, what those yeah. things are. Yeah, yeah. So um, a good example when it comes to like the COVID one itself, um, it's just the fact of like any kind of folks who are being exposed, right? So so anybody who's being exposed to somebody like a, a potential positive case, right? And just the heightened anxiety that that can bring naturally within our body, right? Because of the fear of like, oh my goodness, like what kind of result am I going to get? What What's the like and just the waiting and the anticipation mm -hmm. to hear back that's yeah. like a natural trauma response in our body because you know your body will move into that fight or flight and and will naturally have anxiety surrounding um what's what the outcome is going to be and of course the news 
does not help with all of that process because of all the the, the mm. fears of like all the worst case scenarios you know that's being portrayed and so then uh that that can then continue right so folks might then let's say they get a negative case and let's say for the weeks to come um anytime they hear about other folks who are getting positive cases well, a possibility might, if they start to notice that their body, it feels anxious or nervous about the idea of just the idea of testing or um, positive cases, or even just seeing news media um, about the level of tests, or they see that they want to avoid going to hospitals or avoid reading about it. That's usually an indication of a trauma response um, mm -hmm. within our bodies that we might not even realize like, oh, wow, the, the idea of avoiding um, can actually be connected to a trauma response, right? So yeah. that's a pretty practical one in COVID that we can also start to watch out for when it comes to ourselves and our friends to see like, okay, after that experience, do we continue to feel that overwhelm when it comes to, to, to the testing? Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And racial trauma would be, I mean, it could be even just, once again, going back to reading about news articles or seeing videos in particular, um, you know, as a therapist, I don't recommend people to keep rewatching uh, the videos of, of cases like the George Floyd case and things like that, just because uh, what that does to our nervous system is it can continue to keep our nervous system in that high elevated kind of overactivated state and that that actually does create a trauma response within our body and so i think probably almost everybody unless they were desensitized to it um almost everybody that watched those videos or news articles most likely had noticed an elevated response right or at least even noticing like a disturbance right like a really disturbance within themselves um, mm. towards it and so that that in itself is a racial trauma response um, especially if following the exposure to that folks continue to notice difficulty sleeping or um, difficulty moving forward or a feeling of like wow this is so disturbing and the fear of like what if that was me right mm. or, yes or what if that was my loved one or my friend mm. or my colleague right all of those thoughts are actually trauma responses to um, mm. the exposure to something that we've seen. So even though, you know, we, we might not have experienced that specific trauma itself, you can still have a trauma response mm -hmm. um, to things that you hear about or things that you view, uh, it, it, even though you didn't personally go through it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of just thinking about how, you know, throughout somebody's life, you know, if they're, you know, a young adult now, or, you know, even, you know, 30, 40, um, you know, that in their life, right, they've probably experienced a lot of, you know, just things, or at least some sort of pain or some sort of hurt, and then having, you know, for, you know, people of color, like, if you're, or, if you're a person of color, like having maybe different traumas as we kind of defined it, you know, almost like lead up to this point, right? Just, uh, yeah, puts you in this state where you're just like, whoa, like everything just feels so, so heavy. Um, and, I, and I just love how, 
yeah, what you're talking about and kind of how you're explaining it. Um, and so with that, um, you know, kind of trying to remain present or like keep your, keep your peace in your mind, you know, kind of how does, um, you know, the word and concept of like self-care kind of work? Because I think that I've heard a lot of times or maybe even thought, you know, when I was um, maybe a couple of years ago, or just like, oh, like self-care just sounds like really like, I don't know, I feel like I'm selfish. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, like, I don't know, not giving myself to other people. Um, you know, how would you answer that question for, for, you know, someone with that kind of thinking like me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, when I talk about self-care, I mean anything that's like a functional self-care, meaning something that's going to help with their physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual well-being. So really this idea of like a holistic self-care. And I usually try to immediately tell folks like, you know, I'm disconnecting self-care from capitalism <laughs> because so often we think about self-care as like, okay, I have to spend a lot of money, right? Like I have to go mm. on this glamorous vacation or I have to go for girls, maybe like getting a pedicure or spa or, you know, like it, those are great things. It's just that if self-care is supposed to be accessible, it's like, okay, what are things we can all actually do where you don't actually have to spend that much money right or where it doesn't involve the idea of like oh you have to like actually physically go out and like make an appointment or do as much you know like the idea of that I think about more of like okay what's a daily kind of self-care and contrasting self-care from like numbing or self-soothing would be like numbing would be like okay like binge watching Netflix or um you know like using food as a way uh, to just like cope with emotions and of course the most extreme is using alcohol or drugs um, and and you know sometimes on Instagram we'll, we'll even see memes about like oh you know like drinking is my self-care like there's all sorts of stuff like that out there about how the use of numbing behaviors is self-care and so I as a therapist and even just personally when it comes to like holistic health I, I always encourage folks to really think about self-care as is not numbing kind of behavior. So it's not the idea of avoiding or numbing out your emotions, um, but it really kind of depends on what each person needs, right? So thinking about, okay, for physical self-care, um, that can include things like uh, exercise that, that feels good for your body. Um, of course, diet, um, when it comes to just like foods that help nourish our body, um, mm -hmm. and even things like I mean, something as simple as like sleep, you know, like helping our body to be able to get enough sleep and rest that it needs. Um, and then when you think about more of like a mental, emotional self-care, um, that would be not just therapy, but also even just like the idea of, you know, what are different activities um, that helps our mind to be able to feel more at ease, right? Because especially if we're, for example, going back to the idea of me being on Zoom all the time, right? Or online all the time, um, <laughs> You know, are we creating a sense of balance between the level of like internet exposure versus just mm -hmm. you know things outside of that that actually starts to bring a more of a sense of ease within our mind, right? right. So, but for me, that has been you know spending time in nature and even just uh, using like the airplane mode on my phones to just mm -hmm. turn off notifications and yeah. so that so that like physically I'm not just always on the phone as much or feel as uh 
bombarded by the notifications. Even I've encouraged folks like for mental self-care, um, it's okay to take time off of social media or from news cycles um, or to only stick with what I call boring news. Um, so, so like, for example, I listen to news on NPR one. Um, it's like a 10 minute update each day and it's pretty boring in the sense that there's nothing <laughs> sensational and it's just mm. telling like the main headlines and then kind of the interview people to kind of get more information. Um, and so boring news, meaning the news that doesn't elevate your body into like the fight or flight where you notice like elevated anxiety, tension in your body, that type of news can be a good thing for our mental self-care. Right. right. And then spiritually can look all sorts of different things for folks, whether that be things like music or prayer or even um, spiritual practices like meditation um, or even, you know, reading scriptures, things like that um, can all be part of spiritual self-care. Um, and then, you know, the last area is like professionally. So so when it comes to like our work, work life balance and what that looks like. So. Mm, yeah, man, that's a lot. That's a lot right there. Um, I, man, I'm just trying to digest it myself. <laughs> um, like, I know you kind of, you mentioned a lot about, um, you know, kind of all these different areas or like some some different practical tips of, you know, how you've kind of been able to uh, uh, or what you've recommended, you know, for people and, 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 uh, advise people with, um, kind of maybe trying to touch on that a little more in regards to, um, like for somebody who was like, Oh, I want to practice this. Like, you know, how could I practically maybe set up some sort of like guide or like, I don't know, plan, like what, how, uh, maybe how would you advise them in that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would encourage folks to first of all, reflect on which ones of those areas they feel like is being more neglected. So mm. let's say physically, emotionally, spiritually, or professionally. Right. And, and kind of go through each and kind of reflect on, okay, my own personal life, you know, what are some practices that I am doing and it could be seemingly small things, right? Like physical self-care, like drinking enough water each day. That seems so small, but it's mm. huge when it comes to our physical body, right? So, so, so just reflecting on each area and then kind of seeing, okay, what are areas that I am doing well in or what I, am I practicing? And then what is areas that like seems like, okay, maybe if it's hard to think of anything that I'm doing in that realm. Um, mm. That's usually when I encourage people to think about maybe one or two specific areas they want to grow in and then starting to set like some small goals so not like a big new year resolution like a, oh i'm going to like lose all this weight but really and, and if that is a goal really thinking more about okay how can i break it down into like for this week right for this week what are some tangible you know one to two things that i'm going to do even if it's just like five to ten minutes each day um, to be able to start to move towards this larger goal, right? And so, for example, uh, let's say if somebody's wanting to work on their physical self-care, maybe a simple goal could be, you know, um, I'm going to actually take a lunch break, right, each day. Um, 
and a lunch break where I'm not doing anything but but eating food and something I enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or something simple with like mental self-care could be, um, let's say, you know, like connecting with friends that you haven't heard from in a while, you know, that folks that really are supportive and caring and, and just setting up a time to call them or just, you know, uh, Zoom call them or something like that, right? Yeah. So, so it seems very small, but then I tell folks all the time, you know, it's like these day-to-day seemingly small things that over time add up, right? And it really, the self-care goals is not about what you're doing like big picture wise, but it's more the day to day kind of mm. habits or the day to day practices that then over time creates a lifestyle really. So really I, I encourage folks to really think about self-care less about like, okay, what's a big event I'm going to do or whatnot, but more so of a, okay, what's like a day to day lifestyle that I of self-care that I can do to help my body and my mind and my spirit. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is just so, good and so needed i feel like and insightful um i kind of just think about how you know our culture is very like hustle and grind and almost like if you're not you know grinding and you know working or building and creating and doing it's almost as if like people feel like they're not doing enough or they're not enough or that they're like behind or something and kind of all the things that you are saying is like take a step back and like almost like spend time trying to take care of like these different aspects of your life, Um, which like also maybe feels maybe like more work for people. (laughs) But like you said, in the day to day, it's like creates this snowball effect that actually um, is super, super beneficial for health holistic health. Um, so, uh, one, one question about kind of even the self-care part, but for you, you know, what are some things that you practice? Um, you know, you mentioned like going into nature, um, but what are some other, um, things that you practice for, um, your own self-care? Yeah. Like I, I really like to think about, um, when you were saying, you know, that sometimes it can feel like more work, I love to think about, okay, what are some self-care things I could do that doesn't actually add more work into Mm -hmm. my life? Like, you know, things that I'm already doing. So for example, um, so anytime I'm like driving in a car, uh, I usually will practice self-care through like mindfulness. So, 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 so as simple as just like noticing kind of my breath and what the pace of the breath is and then paying attention to, with my five senses, just kind of noticing what I see around me, smell, taste, hear, and what I can touch, so like the textures. So, so mindfulness is just a fancy word for presence or being present, and it is a skill. So it's not something that we just all naturally gravitate towards, and it takes intentional practice. And sometimes you think like, when you think about mindfulness or meditation, you think like, oh, okay, you have to like spend a whole hour, like, Zenda, like kind of all quiet, you know, closing your eyes. And, and that is a type of mindfulness meditation. But then I encourage folks all the time, including myself, to think about how can we incorporate the skill on the go in things and in places where we're already forced to stop even, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's like in the car, in transitions. I'm always kind of trying to pay attention to, okay, 
you know, kind of noticing if there's tension physically in my body. If so, kind of stretching that out, noticing mm -hmm. my breath, because our breath is so important when it comes to um, helping our nervous systems to regulate. Mm. And then even just noticing like my five senses, because if you think about it, right, so the more present focus we can be, the less anxiety that you'll usually feel, because anxiety and fear and stress is usually connected to past situations or future wow right? right so 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 we can actually grow in our awareness and our ability to be more present focused but it mm -hmm. does require practice right so it's mm -hmm. not about perfection but it, it does take like day-to-day -day practice to start to notice that um so that's one really simple tip that i've been doing on the go um even between zoom calls um if i have like a window in the place that I'm working out of um, I'll try to spend about like five minutes or if, even if it's just like two to three minutes looking outside the window and kind of observing the scene that I see outside just kind of noticing that um, and to just get my my eyes off of the screen right because because it, mm -hmm. it can just help with the help to release tension from your eyes that's continually yeah. having that blue light exposure mm -hmm. um so those are really practical things um of course i love uh doing yoga so i'm in a yoga teacher training right now um so that's another way that i practice self-care and then uh you know i also sometimes in different seasons of life, I've done some maintenance therapy, like going to my own counselor um, in different seasons mm -hmm. just for yeah. like maintenance. Yeah. Um, so I encourage folks to do that. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of other things, you know, going to chiropractor at times if needed or massage therapists as needed. And I don't really see those as like luxuries, but more so of like, okay, this is like for physical health. Mm -hmm. um, and more recently, I've really loved um, reading uh, different poetry and just like writings um, by Black authors in particular. So, mm -hmm. so I've been, you know, I purchased a few kind of Black authors' poetry and have just been, you know, that's been part of my personal self-care when it comes to just, you know, soaking in whatever words that they're, yeah. they're gifting us with. Yeah, no, that's, that's, man, so good. <laughs> yeah, what really, what you said that really stuck out was just that fact that, like, um, two things, I guess, is like mindfulness as, as a skill that we kind of develop, and also the fact that you said being present relieves us from, like, anxiety, you know, and how it's almost like the past uh pulls us backwards and then like the future feels like it's pulling us forward um so uh yeah those things really stuck out to me um super 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 um beneficial i think for me as well um and this may sound like a dumb question um but maybe pivoting to this other um side of almost mental health and 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 care but um, you know, for people trying to care for others during this time, yeah. you know, what tips would you give them? Because I think that as I've, you know, lived throughout, you know, college or high, uh, high school, college, and, you know, uh, now as a young professional, you know, I've come to realize that like caring for people is like pretty hard. And actually a lot of people like want to, 
but really struggle with doing that well. So um, yeah, what uh, guidance would you have uh, for that? Yeah, and are you saying in particular for folks who like might be struggling with mental health concerns um, during COVID or during our present times, or is it just like in general, like um, for friends or family? Or? Yeah, yeah, both I would say like, you know, sp uh, specifically for uh, people with, um, you know, who are struggling with mental health, but also for just, yeah. you know, friends or, or family or just anybody in general, um, you know, so maybe you could answer that in two Yeah, uh, yeah, facets. yeah. You know, I always say before we care for others, we always have to first care for ourselves, right? Because it's kind of like the idea of when you're on an airplane, they always say like, okay, you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before your child or other people. And you might think that's kind of like counterintuitive, but it's the idea that, you know, it's only out of the overflow of what we have that we can be able to give to others. And so if we find ourselves to be kind of completely depleted, or even when we think about the idea of caring for a friend or family member or loved one, and if we find it to be kind of like a, a sense of like resentment or a sense of like, oh, that, like, a, like it feels like work, you know, if it feels like work or it feels kind of like resentment or like, oh, there they are again, contacting me for help. Um, that's usually an indication of like, okay, we might need to up our self-care because of the fact that it's no longer out of the overflow of us anymore it's more of like okay we're being so depleted and drained in other areas of our life to the point where it's getting kind of hard to to give and to care for others right and so we always start with ourselves, and especially if you know any listeners are helping professionals so you know, whether they're being a nurse doctor therapist, counselor, teacher, you know, anybody in the helping profession, working with people, I would say it's even more important for us to take care of ourselves because you're already, you know, 40 plus hours a week giving of yourself um, in your job full time, right? And so then anything outside of that is going to just be even more draining if we're not actively pouring back into ourselves. So mm -hmm. starting with self-care first and then uh, I like to differentiate the idea of like self-care from community care, right? Mm. So community care is where you then move into caring for others. So whether that be family, friends, or even caring for your community through things like, you know, advocacy work or policy work or simple things like even like voting can be an act of community care. So more of the external care for those around us. So it's, you know, you start with self-care and that's when you can move into community care. And especially for just like general people, you know, like just ways to care. I think obviously the best way to care for people is just to ask, um, you know, what is the best way I can support you? Um, or just asking folks, you know, what is it that you need in this time? Um, especially if they're going through like a difficult time. Um, or even just to offer support without being told right so if people are going through like particularly stressful times like sickness or grieving um i mean you could even just go get some groceries or bring them a meal or and and then even just leaving it at their door you know it doesn't even have to be like where you spend a lot of time it's like just being like okay hey i dropped this off and know that if you don't feel like talking that's fine you know this is just an act of letting you know I'm thinking of you, right? So something pretty mm -hmm. simple like that. And that translates even to those who are struggling with mental health concerns, right? So you think about it, if people are sick in the hospital, 
let's say somebody got in like a car accident or somebody has like a diagnosis of cancer or any kind of physical health concern, like someone broke their arm. Like there's so many ways that we always display care and concern to people who are going through physical health issues, like visiting them in the hospital or bringing them a meal or, you know, sending them our condolences or just, you know, just ways that we verbally will encourage folks. But then you don't do that for mental health. And I think that's where more the stigma is in our society, where it's like, we're not really acknowledging to people that like, hey, mental health concerns can be really debilitating and even potentially even worse than physical health concerns at times, right? And, and so for friends or loved ones that we know who are struggling with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health concern, um, I think one of the best ways to show support is just to let them know like, hey, I know you're struggling, but you know, um, I'm gonna go get some groceries and pick some items up for you, right? So, so not even like being like a, it's not really like an option. It's more like a, okay, I'm, 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 I'm here at, you know, this restaurant right now. Do you want this or that? I'm going to bring it. And if you don't want it, well, I'm going to leave it at your door. <laughs> you know, because if somebody's truly in like a depression in their life, it can be hard to even just get out of the bed sometimes for folks, right? And so then really thinking about like, okay, if we have a friend that's going through that, um, it could be hard for them to even get out of the house. And mm. you might be that annoying friend that's like, oh, there they are again telling me to get out of my house or go to, on a walk with me or do this or that. Um, but, you know, as a therapist, I work with so many people who have identified like, you know, those are the friends that they feel like, wow, okay, those are the people that if they didn't really do much, right, other than send a text of like, hey, I'm thinking of you. Or, you know, force them to go to the restaurant to eat, you know, but it seems like so small, but then I think it's really those moments that shows people that like, oh, wow, you know, that my friends or people around me care for me or they're thinking of me. And, and it doesn't have to be like even something where you are, you know, sometimes we don't have words to say to folks that are going through difficult times or struggles, but it's not really about that. I mean, it's more about the actions and how we're showing a sense of care. We might not have the right words to say, and that's okay. Right. Sometimes you could just straight out tell the friend or family member, like, hey, I really don't understand or there's no words for me to even like identify or comprehend or to even be able to say to you in the season that you're going through. That's so difficult. But just letting them know, like, you know, that I that I'm here thinking of you, praying for you and and that, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that I want to show my support through X, Y, Z kind of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, those are really, really helpful. And I kind of just connect that back to something you said, um, I don't know, I think near the beginning, but you kind of just said how there's something in like the power of presence, like, yeah, and not, and not mm -hmm. just, you know, I guess, like, from what maybe we could um, see sometimes of like, or hear regarding like words, or, you know, like people can say, you know, oh condolences or you know I feel bad for you or whatever but it's like something about the presence that they show you that kind of shows that they care um, oh yeah you know so many folks who go through grief always say that it wasn't the people who had the right words in fact more often than not people who try to show care through words might end up saying things that are actually not helpful 
um, there's a phrase I've been learning about recently called toxic positivity. So it's this idea of just like trying to say things to people like, oh, well, at least you didn't go through that. Or, oh, it's not that bad. Like, so let's say saying to somebody who's grieving a lost child, oh, well, you'll see them in heaven one day. Well, when someone's deep in their grief, that is toxic positivity because that is not something that they need to hear in that moment. And it's probably going to lead them to feel even more mm-hmm. sad and even worse about their situation, especially as the friend might not be able to even hold space for them to just be present with the difficulty that they're going through. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think more often than not, it's the folks who just maybe are just there giving a hug. It's like, or just calling them, but not no expectation, no agenda, not mm. even trying to like say anything really. Um, just to be there, I think people can identify like, yeah, like those were the friends where it's like, they really just allowed me to be where I'm at without any kind of judgment or trying to fix me or trying to like silver line situations when it just kind of, you know, when it was a situation that it just sucked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Man, I'm, I've been loving every single, uh, yeah, moment that that we've been uh yeah sharing and um man yeah so much so much that uh i know we could probably talk about for a long time um but uh i know that we're running out of time here um so first of all thank you for for everything and and for you know sharing your your thoughts and your insight um so 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 helpful um i think to me and also to so many people but um to kind of maybe uh try and transition us out uh you know just the silly (laughs) closer question for you um and for the listeners out there like but what is uh the last meal that you had for dinner (laughs) maybe give give some insight into (laughs) your life to people but (laughs) yeah well surprisingly last night we um so my husband usually cooks, but then uh, it was me and Jesse, my brother. We cooked together last night. We whipped out um, like uh, tacos, like we did like veggie tacos, and uh, we did. Um, so we used Korean pork belly and made tacos out of Korean pork belly. But then uh, I made a avocado cilantro sauce to go on top of that. So yeah, so we had that, and then. Yeah, it took us like 30 minutes because we were like, oh, man, we're rushed on time. What do we have for dinner? I opened the fridge. Oh, no, I don't have that much stuff. And then I was like, okay, we have a lot of vegetables. Let's like fry up all the vegetables and make tacos. (laughs) And so so we did kind of like a breakfast taco medley um, for dinner, actually, which usually we have a lot more planned planned meals. Like like the the day before, we had... um, like a like a udon ramen noodles and my brother made um these ramen eggs the ones with like the little egg yolk in the middle mm-hmm. um, yeah. so those were super good yeah yeah so so yesterday was a, a bit more like okay let's just mash everything together <laughs> <laughs> sounds like y'all are feasting uh you'll have to say hi to uh my dude jesse and uh the homie Devin, um, but uh, any final words for our listeners out there? Um, and uh, how can people contact, connect with you? 
Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with me, um, I have an Instagram page, it's Jaja Chen LCSW, and then I also, my website is just my first and last name, jajachen.com. Um, but I think last words would be just, you know, to going back to this topic of self-care that we talked about, you know, just letting folks know that self-care um, is not selfish in that it actually is something that helps us um, and those around us to be able to better care for each other, right? So this idea of, um, once again, thinking about self-care from more of a holistic perspective and really thinking about it as, oh, the ways that I care for myself means that I can then be able to give more to others. And in particular, if we're helping professions or if we're just in seasons where you're a lot more stressed, it's usually when we need to increase self-care. So that's what I would leave with listeners. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, Jaja, you know, for all that you've shared. Um, yeah, really, I think that your insights and um, knowledge and wisdom is invaluable, especially not just like in these times, but for, um, I think, people to, you know, really step into a place of, of freedom and just walking forward in, in life. Um, and so we'll definitely have to chat again soon. Um, I know that there's a lot of other things <laughs> we could also talk about and that I'd love to talk about in the future. Um, so everybody, uh, self-care, um, mental health, it's crucial. Um, make sure you remember that. So uh, take care, Jaja, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for being with us at the Third Culture Kingdom. I hope you're blessed by the insights and knowledge that Jaja brought. Whether you're feeling the weight of the chaos or helping others with their load, remember to take a step back to rest and to take care of yourself. If you haven't already, please give us a follow at Third Culture Kingdom on Instagram. Subscribe, download at wherever you get your podcasts. And please share this episode with your friends, family, and whoever you think would benefit from it. Be safe, be loved, and be you. Until next time. Thank you.